Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. Welcome to today's show. I'm going to cover today something that I think is actually really important when you're starting a business. Many potential business owners don't actually see it as important and think it's an afterthought, but this is something that ideally you are planning before you open your business or if you're doing a new product or service line before you launch the product or service line. So what is it that we're going to cover? Well, it's all about pricing strategies and it comes as a result of a question I got from one of the people I was working with. So here's the question. I have a spreadsheet which totals direct costs for the product I make. When working out my product costs, should I also use my general costs such as accounting software, Shopify fees, card transactions fees, etc. to work out what to sell my product for? Now, this is from somebody who's got a business making physical um, physical things that they sell online via Shopify, Etsy, those types of platforms. Now, it's a really good question because what it highlights is if you've already started your business, why are you only just thinking about this question? Because there's lots of things we want to do as we plan, one of which is we want to set our price right in the beginning. If we set it too low and it's not giving us enough profit, it's sometimes harder for the market to understand a big price jump. If we set it too high, we may actually end up stopping the business before we've got it started because we don't get customers and we don't realise it's because the price is too high. So I wanted to answer the question in short with a yes. Of course, you should include all of your costs. But at the end of the day, whatever we sell, we want to at a minimum really cover all the costs, not just the costs it makes for the product or the time we spent delivering the service, but also all those extras, as the lady asked, accounting software, but what about the profit we're looking for? That's what some people often forget. They get so engrossed in looking at what it costs them to make the product or deliver the service. And they think, oh, you know, maybe I should add a portion for all my monthly costs, my accounting software, you know, my travel to drop everything down the post office if you're posting them. And even for some people, they'll think, well, OK, I've got to make sure I factor in profit. But then they forget to consider the profit they make is going to be taxed in several different ways. If you're a limited company here in the UK, it could be corporation tax that comes off before you get the money and then you'll pay income tax once you've got the money. So it can be a very frustrating thing to do and sometimes quite time consuming. But pricing's as important as actually planning what you're going to make, what you're going to sell, where you're going to sell it from and who your customers are. So I did want to I did want to go through some pricing strategies for those of you out there that have either already started and thinking, why am I not making as much as I thought I would? For those of you out there thinking about a new product or service you're going to launch, Let's get this thing nailed before we do that. And more importantly, for those of you that haven't yet started your businesses and you're thinking about it, let's get this one nailed before we get going. Yeah. So 
there are several different pricing strategies out there. Commonly, if you go looking on the internet, you'll find, you know, seven pricing strategies for business. I'm going to cover the common seven today. But before I do, I want to make it quite clear. If what you are doing as a business is, say, a franchise or a network marketing stroke multi-level marketing business, you will not be in control of those prices. So do remember that. Okay. Um, you, you literally are not going to be able to do anything um, about what you sell your product or services for. They'll be set for you. So the only lever you will have is how much of that product or service you sell. So if it's a set price and you know you want a certain amount at the end of the month, you've got to work backwards and say, well, in order to get that amount based on the commission or the profit I make from the prices that are set for me, how many do I have to sell or deliver in a month in order to get my minimum amount of money I'm looking for? And likewise, the only lever you can use to grow your business is increase that quantity, increase the amount of delivery. So bear that in mind, okay? So what I'm talking about today is for people who have got control of what they're selling things for, whether it's your service time or a product that you're making or buying and then selling on. So just for those of you that don't know what the pricing strategy is all about, um, it is effectively the process and methods you use within your business to determine what prices you're going to put out for your products and services. Sounds simple, but, um, you know, there may be somebody out there that's never heard of this before. And I want to make sure they know what we're talking about. Now, in the beginning, i.e. when you're planning your business, if you get this right, it is going to provide an amazing lever along with the quantity that you sell of the growth for your business. And this is especially true if you're running a business that trades time for money, such as coaching. Because if you think about it, if you're doing some sort of service delivery because you're coaching or you're delivering something that takes your time or the time of your people in order to deliver it, then we can grow our business by increasing the prices. That means we need less people taking the services to get the desired profit we're looking for. Or we can go down a route of let's get more people buying our product or service, which means we can now sell it lower price if we need to lower the price because we didn't get it set right in the first place. So I'm going to cover for you seven pricing strategies. OK, we're going to do value based pricing, competitive pricing, price skimming, the cost plus method the penetration pricing method, economy pricing and dynamic pricing. Now, don't worry if you're not quite sure which one's going to work for you. This will be part of your planning and your research based on what it is you're doing, selling or providing in your business. So we'll start with the first of the seven. And by the way, these are in no order. There is no preference. It is which one's right for you will be subject to what you're doing as a business and what you're trying to achieve. So let's take the value based pricing. I'll tell you something, I need to get some new teeth, guys. Value based pricing, if you please. So it does what it says on the tin. 
the price is set according to the value it provides. So think, if you like, of bespoke, uh, tailor-made expert services, etc. So ask yourself if you've got one of those businesses where it's a bespoke product, uh, expert services that you're delivering. Do you save the customer any money? So here's a great example of where that one works. There are out there a lot of specialist companies that do R&D tax planning. So that's research and development. If you spend time researching something in order to get a product to market, developing a product, so car manufacturers, electric cars, yeah, if nobody else has done it or they're doing something that is new or they're doing something new to them, creating a new software platform, all that jazz, you can actually claim some tax back here in the UK against the cost you've spent doing the research and development. So if you go looking out on the marketplace, there are people out there that will process this sort of tax return for you because it is quite complex to actually calculate and work out what you need. So what a lot of them do is they base what you pay for that service as a percentage of what they get back for your business. So the more they get back for your business, the more you're going to pay them. That's value based pricing. Another example of value based pricing, if we look at a product, think of Rolex. Yeah, there is an element of desirability because of the brand. And as a result, they can sell that product for higher than it's going to cost them to manufacture because of the prestige they've got in their brand. So that's also the case with some car brands. You pay more money for certain cars because of the prestige of owning. And that's because it it improves the consumer's life, whether that be because it makes their life better by saving them time, saving them money, giving them a better feeling, making them feel like they've made it, all that sort of stuff. So that's where value-based pricing comes from. It also works really well in high-end fashion, jewellery, premium alcohol. You know, if you go out, not saying I drink gin, um, not saying you should drink gin, but if you go out and buy a, let's say, a supermarket brand gin versus going and buying a premium gin such as Hendrix, Brockman's, whichever ones you consider premium, you will notice that you pay a higher price per litre and yet what you still have is a litre or a bottle of, of gin. But you'll pay a different price if you see it as premium versus standard shop branded product. Get my drift. Uh, and those of me, those of you that are listening that know me, yes, of course, you know I drink gin, but I don't drink it by the litre, okay? Um, the strategy is the opposite of undercutting competitors. So if you think about the airline industry, uh, and by the way, when I name some of these industries or the, the brands out there, I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm not saying one or better than the other. I'm just highlighting who uses what kind of strategy. So Ryanair, EasyJet here in the UK, um, they're, ba they're not value-based pricing, they're basically doing a different model because they're not looking at you paying more because of a premium service. Whereas if you go and say get a private jet, yes, we know some of the cost 
is higher because you know you're not filling the plane with as many people so the cost to do the journey is higher but additionally you know somebody was speaking to me this morning actually one of our past guests Michelle Michelle Herbert that came on a few months ago where some friends couldn't get flights, six of them were going over to Monaco to, I think it was the Grand Prix, if I remember rightly, and they couldn't get flights for them all. So what did they do? They rang round, they hired a private jet for six of them. £20,000 later, they've booked their, their flights, they're going to Monaco, private jet. That's value-based pricing, not just the fact that, you know, they've got to charge more because there's less people on the plane. So... You get my drift. It's not about trying to undercut your competitor when you're doing value-based pricing. Now, the brilliant thing uh, with this is if you get this right, value-based pricing may mean that you start to win because you get higher profits for delivering fewer services. It can be quite complicated to work out what that price should be, and it can be time-consuming to set it up. So if you're just making, I don't know, stickers, uh, printed material to sell on the internet, this might not be the way to go. Yeah, you need something that has a bit of bespoke in it. Maybe it's unique. Maybe it's an expert service. Maybe it's adding value to the buyer because it improves their social status. And at the end of the day, if you're buying printed product off the internet, then basically Yes, there'll be slight differences in quality, but ultimately there's a lot of people out there offering printed product on the internet, isn't there? So let's go to the next one. So we then go on to competitive pricing. Now, this isn't undercutting. What this is, it's about setting a price point in relation to similar things being sold by other companies, but setting a price point that gives you a competitive advantage advantage. Often used if the market's saturated or mass goods that, um, you know, where you've got something where there's a lot of it out there, the market's well established and there's lots of people doing it. So examples we have here are things like household products, cleaning products. Yeah. We want to try and set a price that's in relation and similar to other companies, but slightly have a competitive edge by being a tiny bit lower so that some people will buy ours instead of buying the others. Think about supermarket owned brands. They're aimed at competitively pricing it, um, not the value based brands, as in the lower cost to make. That's another strategy again altogether. But effectively, a supermarket will bring out a similar quality product to the branded product, sell it slightly cheaper so they get sales through competitive pricing. All right. Now, if you're going to go down a competitive pricing route, you need to make sure you have someone in your business or you set time aside for you to keep a watch on the competitors constantly. Because whenever they drop their price or offer a promotion, this is especially true if you're doing this on places like Amazon, eBay, all those online selling sites. The minute somebody offers a promotion and it's a product that you're trying to compete on pricing with, you want to be using creative marketing to give what you've got an edge because you might not be able to go and match their promotion price. That might not financially work for you. So, 
you know, make sure you have some way of tracking and keeping up to date with the movements on your market. Now, another area that did competitive pricing some time ago here in the UK, I think they probably did it all over the world as well, is the fuel markets. The price for gasoline or petrol, as we call it here in the UK, you know, garages would look at what other garages were charging nearby and they'd just do it a tiny bit, one penny a litre cheaper. And this is, you know, we're, we're in a world at the minute where, you know, prices have gone up on everything. And here in the UK, fuel's gone through the roof. OK, but, you know, you've got garages out there that they're taking like one penny off the price of the fuel per litre and everybody's suddenly queuing for hours, burning petrol while they're queuing, yeah, not great for the environment, in order to get one p a litre off the petrol. Now, in a, you know, if you've got a, I don't know, 60 litre tank, you're saving 60 pence. You've spent more than that actually queuing to get to the petrol pump because everybody's gone off. So imagine what happens. You get 5p a litre. I'm de- digressing a bit now, but this is useful. It's also quite good fun. Um, so you suddenly find 5p a litre off uh, and it's a gar- it's a garage that's three miles away from you that you're not going to pass on your journey, but you're going to go there and maybe you've got to wait for a little bit. This happens at my local supermarket all the time, by the way. So you've got to wait for a bit. Your engine's on while you're waiting and it's 5p cheaper and you've got a 60 litre tank. So we're talking three quid. How much fuel did you burn and use? How much time did you spend trying to save three pounds? So it's also the same for your business when we're looking at this kind of thing, okay? You've got to look at it so it makes sense. Some customers go bonkers to save what is three pounds. So great, use that in competitive pricing. But obviously when you're the one paying for it, I'm coming from the other side of the coin now, when you're the one paying for it, just remember how much it's costing you to save the three quid. And on my soapbox a bit, if you're queuing at a petrol station to save three quid on a tank of petrol, which for some people is a lot of money, I do get that in the current economic climate. But, you know, think of the environment, guys, at least queue with your engine switched off. Anyway, I'll get off that one now and we'll go on to the next pricing strategy, which is price skimming. So this is capitalizing on consumer demand. Okay, so big industry that does this computer industry, high technology industry. I remember years ago when the latest, greatest high fidelity sound system came out. If you wanted to be the first to have it, you paid the higher price. Over time, the price came down, the price was skimmed and then you got to a bigger market. So it's almost like a bit like value based pricing and competitive pricing rolled together. Now, why do I say that? Let, let's take computers. When a, a, a new model comes out, new chip, new features, bigger watts, whatever, um, you'll often find that the people that want that social status, so new iPhones, new Galaxy phones, this is true of those when a new model comes out, you know, just bear in mind that the people you're buying them from, they're using these pricing techniques on you. Um, so great if you've got a business, if you're a consumer, just get savvy. So social status when a brand new um, 
Google, Apple Mac, iPhone, computer, Microsoft, whatever. Something brand new comes out, a brand new model, few little extra tweaks and things around it. There is a social status for some people in having the latest model of phones, computers, all that stuff. So they will pay in the beginning a much higher price, a value based price to get that product before the mass market has. Then as the companies actually hit the what we call the early initiators, the early buyers that want the value based stuff because nobody else has got it. Once they've reached that market and that's now saturated and slowed down, they then start reducing the price of the product and they reduce it to the point where it works best to then get to the higher market. So in the early days, they ain't got a lot of competition. In guarantee, if iPhone, Apple brings out a phone with certain features, Samsung will do it a few months later. Samsung might bring out a set of features. Apple do it a few months later. So while you haven't got that competition, you can do that social status value-based pricing. When you've done that a year or two down the line, as we've all seen, that model gets a lot cheaper, goes to more of a competitive pricing to get to the mass market. It's what we call price skimming, okay? Uh, And as I say, electronics is a massive one for this. Um, Even though some of us know the price is eventually going to drop, When a new version comes out of a game, a hi-fi, a phone, a computer, we know in a couple of years that price is going to drop, but we still want it now. Well, there are other people in the market are going to sit and wait a year or two and grab it when it's cheaper. So you are capitalizing on the buzz and the newness of stuff. Okay. Um, So if you're going to do that with your product, then you need to have a lot of confidence that your product is unique, will create that buzz. And it because at the end of the day, if you are forced to drop the price too quickly and start skimming off that price too soon after you launch it, your initial early adopters, you will lose their loyalty because they can get angry and it can impact your brand if suddenly a month after they bought it, you've just half the price. So just bear that in mind if you're going to use that particular strategy. But is really good if you're doing electronics, gaming, all that sort of stuff. And Apple, PlayStation, Nintendo, they're all great at this. So if you want to understand how it works a bit more, just go and have a look at how they price their new products. You know, what do they come out at? How long is it before they drop down? Our next strategy is cost plus pricing. Now, this is the one that links to um, what my client's question was all about. When she asked about, you know, she's calculating her direct cost, does she add in her general cost for accounting, fees, all of that lot? What she's talking about there is calculating her price based on a cost plus. And it's one of the most common pricing strategies used can be used by grocery stores, department stores, common products, and also by business, smaller businesses who can't spend a lot on market research to do all this price skimming, value price, all that stuff. So as the name says, you calculate the cost it takes to make the product or deliver the service that includes all your other costs. So if you know you're going to sell 20 of your products in a month, then you're going to want to incorporate one twentieth of your general cost split across that product. You get my drift. Make sure you add a portion for your general cost. Don't just do the cost to make the product. So 
you take the cost it is to make it and you then add a market, a markup, sorry. <laughs> it's one of those weekends. The weather's hot. My brain's gone. You add a markup depending on what you want or hope to make as a profit. So that's where I started at the beginning, you know, factoring all your costs, direct, general, your profit you want post tax so that you can also incorporate the tax you're going to pay, etc. Gross it up, as we say. And that is how you calculate the price of your product. Uh, it's really simple to do once you get the hang of what needs to be included. And it's easy to understand for your consumer that you're charging them the price it costs you to make, plus some money for you to actually earn a living. Um, and anybody that doing this, as we've said, just beware of any hidden costs because it does rely really heavily on how much it costs to make a unit. And if you get this wrong, anything you forgot to add, suddenly you're eating into your profit margin and the profit margin is what you're getting paid to be in business. Um, so don't forget your labor, materials, all of that jazz. It can be really beneficial, especially if what you're looking for is stability and consistency on what you earn. The only thing that's going to impact how much you now earn is what your volume is for selling. Um, but as I said, really great if you don't have a lot of money to spend on trying to work out what value based pricing to do or how to do a price skimming strategy. Um, the next one. So our what are we on? We're on our fifth pricing strategy and that is penetration pricing. Now, this is when you're looking to break a product into a market. So you bring it out initially at a low price point to real buyers in, get them away from your competition. And once the product's got a following, it's established itself in the market, you can gradually adjust it upwards. If your product or service is going to have a large audience, okay, then online subscriptions for things, for instance, this is a really great way to do it. So let's talk about some of the industries that I think do this or did this when they started. Quite a few uh, TV subscription services, Netflix, Apple, Now, Sky, these are UK ones. I'm sure that across the world you've got others. But Netflix is global. Disney's global. So we get the drift. When they all first came out, the price you paid for month for that subscription was low. As in it might have been $2.99, $3.99, $4.99, $5, whatever. If we look now, I mean, Netflix has been going quite a while now. But if we look now and what's happened with Netflix, Disney Plus, you know, TV subscription service, AYZ, whatever it's called. Once they've got you in and you're hooked and the brand's sort of taken a big set of the market, now we can start increasing that price. And that's what's suddenly happening here. Netflix is putting their prices up. Disney is. Everybody's putting their prices up. But specifically in the TV subscription market, that's how it's working. You also get the same with the music subscription. So Spotify, Apple, uh, trying not to miss anyone out. But as I said, you know, I'm not trying to put preference one over the other. But your music streaming services, they were a lot cheaper initially than they are today comparatively. And the amount they've gone up by is not just to do with inflation and the fact that things have gone up. OK, um, now the the thing with this pricing model is savvy customers 
as the name suggests, are savvy. They're a bit smarter. So they'll take your price while it's low and then they'll come out your service when you start putting it up. We have one here in the UK, a, a TV provisioning company. If you phone up and say, I'm cancelling, they'll start giving you offer after offer. Um, in some cases, not all, but they want to keep you. So, you know, what any great pricing strategy will do is if they know that they're seeing lots of people leaving when they start putting the price up, they start to learn where their price point is to keep their market stable and not lose too many people. You can afford to lose a few, but if you lose too many, all that work you did in building things up is suddenly lost. So if you are going to go to this kind of pricing model, just work your plans out as to, you know, don't put the prices up too quickly. You'll lose people before they've actually got loyal to your brand and before they've worked out they can't live without your service. Um, and when you get to the point where you're putting it up, just remember, keep your eye on how many customers you're losing due to price because there'll be a point where you're going to have to go, I can't go any higher than that right now. I'm losing too many people. All right. Um, and you can find, you know, you can do this with trial periods. If you've got a service where you say, I'm going to give you three months for this. And then after the three months, it moves to that. It's the same pricing strategy. Um, some people will take up your offer for three months. And then after three months, they'll leave you. You don't get any loyalty from them. You don't get any future business. Others will stay with you. But then as you keep putting your price up, there'll come a point where it's no longer worth it for them to stay with you. Um, and, um, it can start price wars if you're doing this with a subscription service that is really popular. So again, the TV pricing, the subscription gaming, the subscription music, you can sometimes find that they're all trying to undercut each other. Um, and then, you know, those companies have to live with lower profits for a while. On to then our economy pricing model. Um, so this is where your budget items live. So I talked earlier about the competitive pricing and your high street supermarkets doing a um, a product that was almost or equal to the quality of a brand. Let's think beans. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the brand leader does a product. They're slightly dearer. The supermarket's own brand brings ones out. Same type of quality because they're wanting to get the customers to switch. Um, and if the quality is not great, they'll go back to their branded product. So that that's your that's your competitive pricing. Then we've got the economy pricing where you'll see in a lot of supermarkets, airlines, there's now this value based, you know, they call it value. It's not value based pricing. It's a value product, i.e. it's an economy product because they keep the cost low when they create the product so that they can sell it you at a lower price. So if you go and buy value beans, whilst they're still beans, they're still nutritious, they they may have more sauce in the can than they've got beans. So you're not getting the same number of beans, for instance. Maybe the ingredients that they've made them with are a lower quality, lower price, so they can put it on a value price. So effectively, you know, there are no frills, common products out there, biscuits, uh, beans, uh, sauces. Yeah, they're making them cheaper to sell them cheaper because they're using an economy pricing strategy. Now, if you're selling multiple products, 
you've heard me talking about the supermarket own brands, the value brands as we've gone through this. That means for different product lines, you can do different pricing strategies. The pricing strategy you decide on is not necessarily for the whole of your business. It's for the product line you're talking about. Okay. It is a very effective way to get deeper into a market because in economic downturns, which is we've got now, you can weather that downturn. You know, you get people are looking for ways to save money on food. So there's going to, you know, there may be more people buying value based products right now that have been priced with the economy pricing method. Um, this method, though, be, be warned, it does rely on high volume sales. Because if you're producing something, so this is product based market rather than services based market, the more you produce of something ultimately per unit, the lower your production costs are. So if you're not selling enough of them, you might not get your product, your, your price per unit down enough to make a, the profit that you are wanting. And then we'll come on to the final common strategy that I'm going to cover today, and that's dynamic pricing. Now, this is about agile pricing to maximize your profits. So this is where the price of something changes depending on who, where and when they are selling it. Now, this can benefit customers, but they don't like the approach. It can cause backlash because some people find they've been sold something at a higher price than somebody else paid for it, um, even though they themselves got a better price than the other person did. However, it's also becoming a very increasingly common approach for business um, because of things like artificial intelligence. So a common one using dynamic pricing is Uber. And I'm talking Uber taxi now, not Uber Eats, because they've gone into that market as well. Great company, by the way brilliant idea, brilliant concept. So if there's a lot of people out on the street of London, Sheffield, Edinburgh, wherever you're based, if there's lots of people out putting calls on their little iPhones, Samsungs, whatever, for a taxi, the more people there are that are calling for the taxi, the higher the price you will get quoted on your phone. So the journey when it's quiet and not so many customers is going to cost you maybe two quid to get where you're going. Probably not these days, probably a lot more, isn't it? But anyway, it's an example. So maybe it's going to cost you two quid to get where you're going. But when there's lots of people out there, you're getting charged a, a higher price, maybe five pounds, because you now got to be prepared to pay the higher price or wait till there's less people wanting those cars. So if you take Uber and the taxi firms doing the dynamic pricing like Uber compared to, say, a normal black cab in London, a black cab in London, it does not matter how many people are on out there looking for a taxi. They charge by a set fee that's displayed in their car, no matter how many people are looking for the taxi. The difference is now you get a taxi based on being the first one to draw the cab's attention Whereas with the Uber model, the people that don't like the higher pricing are going to cancel the request for a ride, find another way to get their journey, leaving the people that are willing to pay more money with more cabs on the road compared to the number of people so they get their cab quicker. So that's an example of dynamic pricing. You'll notice it can also work when it comes to airline seats. Um, you know, airline seats sometimes you know, when the seats are first released, this is true as well of train seats. 
when they're first released, if you get in there early enough, you'll get a lower price. As more people are buying tickets and there's fewer seats left, the price will go up. It's a way of dynamic pricing because the busier those airlines or train journeys are, the more seats they sell. So when there's less seats less at left the, and more people than they've got seats left, they will sell it at a higher price. Effectively, it's what I call auction pricing. It's going to the highest bidder. If you don't like the price, step away and find another journey or go another day. Now, what is helping this price model if the product or service you do is suitable for it um, is the fact that there's now tools out there to help you track when the demand is going up for your product. So the taxi journey in, the train seats, all that stuff. There's tools now to track it, which means it's easier for companies to actually use this pricing method if what they sell suits it. Um, but yeah, um, great little, great little way to price it. So I will just remind you of what the pricing strategies were that we've gone through. We've gone through value-based, tailor-made, bespoke, expert services, competitive pricing based on charging a tiny bit less than the competition is charging, maybe because your product isn't that unique as it would be with value-based price skimming. Starting high for early adopters who are going to pay the higher price to get something that not a lot of other people have and then slowly skimming the price down to get to the rest of the market. Re- I'll tell you, I'm having fun today to get to the rest of the market who aren't willing to pay the early adoption price. Cost plus, which is take the cost it takes to make your product or deliver your service, add, add your markup to get the profit you want. And that's the cost plus pricing penetration, starting with a service where you price it low. And as you increase the number of people using your brand, you slowly start to put it up. Economy pricing, value based products rather than value based pricing. So making the product with lower priced uh, ingredients or components so that you can sell more and therefore keep your production cost lower. And then we have the dynamic pricing. The more demand there is for your product that you sell, the higher the price gets till the demand drops again. Um, I, I trust you enjoyed that. I trust it gave you a little bit of insight if you're setting up a business on things to think about for working out what to sell your products and services for. And remember, if you're in the services business, if you're trading time for money, then the best way to get to where you want to go is to make sure you're pricing such that you have the time to deliver the quantity at the price that allows you to make the profit you want to make. So there you go. Another week of content. Uh, remember, if you want to get in touch with me do, me, do go to our website, Sweat Grit Hustle. Find me on Facebook. All my links are in the show notes. Until then, we will see you on the flip side. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.